This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you? If people send you the same generic conversation starters, they message everyone else. Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Guitar Nerds is sponsored by Music Nomad, our favorite guitar maintenance tool manufacturing masters. You should check them out on musicnomadcare.com or on social media with at musicnomadcare. Hello and welcome to the Guitar Nerds Podcast, the world's number one guitar podcast. I am your host, Joe Branton, joined this week by J.D. Short. Hiya. And Naomi McLeod. Hello. Hello indeed. Hello both. Hello dear listener. Welcome back. Welcome back to another episode. It's episode nine in season three of the Guitar Nerds Podcast. And of course... I'm joined by the the other two bass guitar nerds hosts, JD and Naomi. We did, dear listener, you may have seen this on the on the Facebook group because we posted a little picture of it, but the three of us did record the Bronkoff um, yesterday. Yesterday, the day before yesterday, in fact. So we've got mm-hmm. the full three episodes of the Bronkoff all ready to go. We recorded demo videos and little reels and all sorts of things. We had a whole weekend of it, so... That that was good. That was good to actually get to podcast in person. Yeah, it was. It was great. Yeah, excellent. Mm. I'm I'm still tired from it. It was just (laughs) too much wholesome fun. We got bronked off our heads. Yeah, we did. And Joe's a taskmaster with shoot this video. Stand here. Here's some more photos. You know, yeah. just things. Just yeah. It's just it's the hardest working man in pod business. As they say <laughs> yes. Well, Absolutely. there you go. Yes, it was. It was. There were hours of things to do: photos and and videos and and the podcasting. Yes, indeed. And of course, we, we did it at JD's in London. So Naomi had to come down all the way from Leeds. I had to come all the way up from Angering, but it's much less far. So uh, so yes, it was well, well done, everyone. Well, I, I'm looking forward to. Um, to sharing that with the with the rest of the world, dear listener, I'm going to be editing that um, soon this week. Actually, in fact, this week I think, Ooh. yeah, yeah, I think uh, the aim is for the Bronkoff to come out between the 14th and the 18th. Um, oh, that's soon. Of March, yeah, that's yeah, soon. That's nice that's and soon. soon. Yes, cool. yeah, exactly. I'm, yeah, I'm really excited to hear what what people think of what we did with our respective Bronks. Yes, yeah, it's gonna be it's it's gonna be great. It's uh, I was really happy with all of them, um, and mm-hmm. yes, I'm looking forward to the Bronkoff. But yes, it made it it was it worked out quite well. I was able to put it out next week because we've got uh, in the end of this week's Matt Knight's wedding, 
and uh, and so being able to have the Bronkoff to release next week means that you know because we'll all be traveling back probably on the Monday so it's gonna which is when dear listen we normally record the podcasts so that that's made my life a little bit easier so that's good well uh, they'll all be ready to go for then but you know we when we were podcasting on the weekend we obviously we could only talk about we the the bronco side of things rather than any of the other stuff that we actually got to check out so you know we should talk about a, a bit of that now it was jd we actually got to check out your fenton wheel uh yeah. amplifier your what, what is it called it's not a portaflex it's a it's a portabase 15 right yeah yeah which we realized is great it's called the porter base 15 because it's of course a 12 inch speaker yeah and 30 watts so (laughs) you know there's something it was a natural choice yeah i just i'm pretty sure it's a you know a classic eight out of ten cats does countdown sort of you know maths equation there (laughs) just be like well if you uh uh two minus one from the speaker and then you times uh 15 by two you get 30 watts so there you go exactly yeah that makes perfect sense um but yeah it was it was actually great great to play it totally different sounding amp than i expected because of course i guess you expect to get an an ampeg b15 style sound out of it um, but very much, I think you said at the time, these, these were the sort of things that were made in the 60s, made in the UK, whilst it was inspired by the Ampeg B15. They probably hadn't actually heard one to base it off yeah. of. It was just yeah. the the concept. Yeah, or, and or, you know, slightly developed separate. I'm making a lot of this up because I wasn't around in the 60s, you know, but it was just just thinking about it. It, it feels very much like that kind of vintage thing where it's, you just, knew something was inspired by it's probably some like popular mechanics magazine that someone had said like oh you could use this transformer for something and someone's like well just build a whole amp around it and see what that'll be like or or it was originally inspired by uh you know a home like system you know for for just listening to records and stuff so yeah 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 it's really it's really cool it's really you know, I think the thing that we were saying is like, it's because I have a I have a torpedo captor on it just to play at some different volumes, and when you have it on, it's it's dead quiet, and it's sort of it gives you a bit more. There's a bit more breakup, and it's a bit muffled. Isn't really isn't really the sound until you take sort of the the load box out of it, and it just ends up being you get the vintage amp hum that is always there on old electronics but then it's it's just such a bright clean like sound with loads of clarity that you wouldn't really expect from a you know 60 year old bass amp yeah yeah exactly that because the controls are as simple as it's just a volume and a and a tone control right that yeah 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 yeah, which is basically just the treble cut you get on a bass yeah yeah exactly and and because of that it actually it stayed clean to quite a high volume when you took the captor out, which I want to come back yeah. to, in, including that in a minute. But mm. when you took the the captor out, I, I did think it was much more lively. Um, mm. But yeah, like more depth, a really clean tone. If you if you took away the amp hum, I thought it was kind of modern. It had like yeah. a real, almost like a solid state. You know that like high headroom sort of bass sound. Um, yeah, it's it's just really, really, 
I mean, that's the thing you get with a lot of hi-fi systems and stuff and why people still use valves and hi-fi systems is that you can get really great reproductions of harmonics and everything with those. It's just, you know, it's it's tough to do. And a lot of times when you want that, certainly for a guitar amp, you you really want the character. Like that's part of why amps are amps. But yeah, it is. it just sounded like the bass, but really loud and clear. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Ugh. And you said you, you picked it up for like 400 and something quid as well, which is... Yeah, like low fours. Yeah, Ugh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah it was really, really jammy git. Yeah. Uh, With just an the, E. Yeah. Just just the fact that, 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 that there are still... And this is the thing. This is where I ca- what, why I got really into all the vintage Japanese stuff. It's because vintage stuff, and price are two wild things that yeah. wildly collide and then wildly don't collide at other times. Mm-hmm. Like there are, it's it's the ultimate like brand name thing. You know, there's like if if it is a particular if it is made by a particular company in a particular year, then it is astronomically expensive. Yet something that is absolutely just as good because you know back then we're not saying well this this was bad because you know they they were being mass produced with cheap parts in Indonesia. Easier. They're all being hand built at yeah. this time. When we talk about the sixties and the seventies, and you know, so this the Fenton Wild is every bit as good as an Ampeg beef. I mean, a different sounding beast, but I mean, when you think about components and you know, just everything, it, it's just it's wild that it's it's so affordable for something like that. Yeah, and I mean, and the other thing is like they're just so rare that it's just it's just you don't get the the brand knowledge. I didn't know about it till I was, I was actually looking for B15s. Uh, cause I had seen, oh, yeah, seen one. Base yeah, gallery had one. Base gallery had one that I saw that wasn't a ridiculous price. And it, and again, it's one of those models that isn't the sought after models, but it's pretty close to the model that I played when I was in uni. How many and, versions of B15 are there? Uh, I think, I mean, there's probably about eight. Or so, I think, with the different variations on, because um, for a bit they were still making them, and they ended up going like with just pure solid state transformers and things on the back end right. and and stuff. So, so it really sort of, I think they were one of the first to sort of really transition into what then became like modern amplifier, you know, a modern amplifier topology. And then, so you start getting like the, the later part before they discontinued the B15s because no one really wanted a flip top anymore because you could get, you know, SVTs or everyone's other bigger stage models by that point. Um, but again, like the, the one I had, which was mostly for like jazz and classical players. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. 
That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. When I was like in school and it was... But it it didn't. It sounded much closer to this the Fenton Wild that I have now. Like right. it sounded really clean. It didn't have that the breakup that you normally or that I really like in old B fifteens that, that really just have one sound. Yeah, you know, that, and, that sort of cloudy. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, like it's... cloudy, distorty, just sort of sits really well in the mix because we all know what to do with it but yeah. it's you know it's it is this is what it does whatever you put through it is going to come out sounding like this so yeah yeah exactly and and the uh, sorry I, I um did i interrupt you when you you to, to ask about the b15s and you were saying that you'd seen one in 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 uh oh, base gallery oh yeah no so yeah so i just i just saw one that base gallery that was you know it looked like a reasonable price and that kind of got me thinking because what is you know, a reasonable the, price for a B fifteen? Uh, well, this one was about yeah, it was probably about twelve fifty in pounds. Right. So, see. so I mean, it's I mean that's sort of like touching distance, you know, like that's still quite a bit. But for you know, for a classic amp that I know I could probably move on for at least that whenever again uh, yeah. would be fine. But I mean, I've I've certainly seen like good quality ones for almost 3000 pounds and and i had the other thing that always just breaks my heart is right after i or a couple years after i i graduated and moved from where i went to school the they were selling off a bunch of the instruments and they are the and the amplifiers and someone knew i really liked that amp reached out and said oh do you want to buy this and i was like ooh, i mean again it's it's that thing where like the well, one, I was much younger and didn't have money to just, and I still don't, but you know, I didn't have money to just be like, oh yeah, sure. That I, the amp that I will be thinking about 20 years from now that I wish I would have purchased, but <laughs> it, they, they were going to sell it to me for, I want to say 900. It may have been like 600 US or something like that. And, and it was old, like it was vintage, like at the time. And I was like, this is, I would really love to do that. I almost did it, but then I was, it's like shipping it would have been as much as I probably could have just driven. I was when I lived in California, I could have driven back to Indiana University and picked it up and you know, driven back for what it would have cost to ship it. But yeah, yeah, it just and at the time I was playing, I was also playing Ampeg at the time, and it was you know I have you know many many speakers and sixteen hundred watts to play with, and it's like what do I need a B fifteen for? Um, Turns out, literally everything I've done since. (laughs) It's a classic for a reason. Isotope and Native Instruments have teamed up to create the start-to-finish bundle that home recording guitar nerds have been waiting for. Plus, you, dear listener, get an extra 10% off with guitar nerds by using discount code NERDS10 
at the checkout on isotope.com. From the creative spark to the final touch, their new bundles include pretty much everything you could possibly need, which is great because it's far too easy to sink hundreds of pounds and a big chunk of your time into just picking up random plugins. The music production suite 4.1 and complete 13 bundle contains over 30 intelligent mixing, mastering and repair plugins, 65 premium instruments, 20 plus expansions and over 35,000 sounds. And if that's a bit basic for you, they've also bundled Music Production Suite 4.1 with Complete 13 Ultimate, which gives you everything that makes Complete 13 incredible, plus a colossal library of added synths, sampled instruments and effects, 115 plus premium instruments and effects, 39 native instruments expansions and over 65,000 sounds. It sounds like a lot. It is. It's very good, very comprehensive. And as we've come to expect from Isotope, it's very good value. If you're looking to get into home recording, I cannot recommend it more highly. And if you're already into home recording, it it really is the one-stop shop for making what you do sound better. This podcast is entirely treated and produced using Isotope plugins, and Native Instruments have been responsible for almost every synth or sample you've heard on our Guitar Nerds jingles. Check out their great new bundles on isotope.com or follow links in the description of this podcast and use discount code NERDS10 at the checkout for 10% off anything in the Isotope arsenal. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. We Actually, the um, that, that reminded me that uh, like a couple of records ago, we decided to get one for, for Polymath just to, to record on. And uh, I th- our, our drummer at the time was... Um, was in charge of like gear hire at Brighton Electric Studios because mm. um, they're, they're for dear listener. If you don't know, I've mentioned it before, but you know, it's it's. I appreciate. It. I need to refresh the 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 knowledge bank every now and again. Um, Brighton Electric is a massive converted old bus depot mansion uh, in in the middle of Brighton that has like uh, two recording studios in it and. I don't know, 10, 12 different rooms, a bar, a coffee shop, and a venue. And it's, it's uh, you know, it's great. You, like Blood Red Shoes, The Cure, um, uh, lots of other bands I can't remember all, all rehearse there or have residencies there. It's, it's a really lovely, fantastic hub for musicians in Brighton. There's, there's, I've never found anything like it anywhere else I've ever been. It's such a, a wonderful, wonderful studio. But the great, the great thing about having a drummer being in charge of the the equipment rental there is rather than me buying one, he could make a case to say, you know, we really should have a B15 to rent out. So, uh, so <laughs> we were able to purchase one with Brighton Electric's money. Um, but he, he found one for an amazing deal. I can't remember what it was, like six, seven hundred pounds, something like that. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, it was, and in in good in good nick as well. No, no, (laughs) no. It was uh, it was not. It was it was a vintage one. But you know, like I I love something relict, and we're like, well, it's still a B fifteen, isn't it? It's still gonna. It's still the amp. Um, so I'm sure it'll be fine. And so we we went and got it and everything, and it worked great, perfect, fantastic came to use it for recording and that's when condition really became an issue because when you've got a you know it's a combo so your your controls and your speaker are all going to be in the same you know soundproof booth together so you're going in and out to adjust everything which is fine um and obviously you you know you're miking it up in there um the chassis was just 
loose. So, and because B-50s aren't, you know, massively loud, it's the everything matters. Mm. We couldn't get it to stop rattling with certain oh, no. frequencies. So it was just, you know, and because of the volume and, you know, that you're recording with a B-15 and because, you know, there's no option... There was no way of. I guess we could have kind of used the head with a different cab or something like that, but it was just. It, it became too much of an effort to. The structural integrity of a B fifteen is quite important, I think, yeah. for them to actually be usable. So we never I mean, did end up using it, especially because the whole point is that you're micing them, and probably with you know, like ideally, like a tube mic or like yeah, uh, exactly, you know, like something to just really get that, get that vibe. Speaking of which, I. I haven't actually ma- mic this one up yet, and I've I re- somewhat recently bought some uh, bought a couple of ribbon mics um, that were ex BBC. Oh, cool! Um, oh, pre nice. pre some of the Rosolos and sort of stuff like that. So I have like the tiny little ribs. I think they're the same ones you can see in uh, Get Back, uh, oh, which is really? also fortuitous. Where I was just like, oh, I'm just gonna pick up pick up some some versions of these before um everyone really decides to go back to you know late 60s early 70s era beatles well, so yeah yeah i mean it, basically every single piece of gear that, that was on display in the get back yeah. documentary is now you know we'll talk about it in later. noel gallagher's house oh <laughs> <laughs> but companies are just like being like oh was that was that thing pictured in that document we need to re-release like the fact that fender yeah. brought back the the rosewood telecaster just after or the yeah. And, and same again, like Squire reporting that they had a, a like a massive surge in base six sales after the uh, um, yeah. after the after the documentary. So yeah, um, I, yeah, good thing you got those those mics in quick. Yeah, yeah, I think it, I think they're already a couple or at least a hundred pounds more than like I've <laughs> I've started and I've started seeing some like ridiculous prices on them, but you know, just. Thing. I was like, oh yeah, it's just there's a you know a few shots. It, it's one of the great things about being in and around London, right? Is you just you can find stuff like this just around. And, and for me, it's really neat because you know I didn't grow up in and around London, so it's you know th- the stuff that it is boring and normal for you know you guys is you know funky and exotic for me that's so. that's, that's <laughs> well, nice sure. to hear because yeah. you, you normally think of it being the well, obviously we, we think of it being the other way around like there's all this all this stuff that's just on every street corner in in the states that you just you know you just don't see over here like, what was it that people were talking about the other day when i was saying about you know how how wonderful it is to be able to get a um uh like a deluxe reverb or a uh or a um no, it was Jay's one. What's the what? What one did Jay get? I'm <laughs> I'm going to Google it because I can't remember. Whilst Most I'm on the podcast, Blue, Blues Baja Junior <laughs> Telly. Uh, uh, it's one of the Mark Bass heads. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's um, uh, Tone Master. It was the yes, the Super Reverb. Yeah, I'm sorry, mm. dear listener. It took me a minute there. I couldn't remember. But I was yeah, just imagine about- everyone else shouting whilst they're driving. <laughs> you know, just being like, <laughs> Super Reverb! Super Reverb! But yeah, you know, it, it was, we were talking about how great it was to be able to get a Super Reverb thanks to Tone Master. And we had a lot of, uh, uh, you, you know, a few comments by US listeners being like, they are, what do you mean, you know, good to get one? They are everywhere. 
and yeah. of course they're just not over here. You you just you don't see them. You don't, you can't get them. Yeah, you know what I also don't see very much of here: PV Black Widow equipped amps from the nineties. Whereas you know they were literally everywhere I looked growing up. Really, so. I don't even know what that is. Oh, it was just there. It was like PV's. Like it was the time where every amp, like bass amp company, it felt like had their own version of some proprietary speaker oh, that see. they kept, you know, it was like PV Black Widow equipped in like SWR and would have like, you know, the big Bertha cabinet and right, right. You know, it was like those big things, but it was, yeah, I mean, I think they were the top end, but it's, yeah, I know we talked about this before, but it's like, it was the thing that I loathed so much because literally that was all that was in every music store you would go in for bass. They had, that was the only bass stuff, like, like the literally go-to. the only bass stuff they had. And then, you know, I was like, oh, I just want something else. And they also all had a sound, you know, like they, it, it's not a, it's not a neutral amp. And so every, right. every covers band and every like local band had one of those. And then now I keep thinking, it'd be really cool to have one of those. <laughs> so, hey ho, that's, that's how vintage prices go way up. Nostalgia. <laughs> yes, yeah. exactly. Also, I have a lot of Star Wars toys from when I was a kid as well. So, Hello and welcome back to One Hot Minute, a new segment where each week I take a minute of your podcast listening time to demo a piece of gear that I'm excited about. Over the last few weeks we've been talking about the KMA Chief Disruptor, KMA's brand new Swiss Army Knife, Big Muff style fuzz, and I'd like to talk about it again because it's great, because it's incredibly versatile and I think now after a few weeks I'm starting to kind of scratch further down than the surface of just how versatile this fuzz is. So what I've done this week is build an entire track using just the KMA Chief Disruptor to show you just how much it can do. It's not just a fuzz, it can be a bass fuzz, a guitar fuzz, it can be a coctoire, it can be a drive, it can actually be quite transparent thanks to its clean blend. Thanks to having three different voicings on its fuzz, you've got everything from thick heavy fuzz to like a a kind of light, yeah like a coctoire sort of style thing, so it can be an effects effect pedal as well as a conventional drive or fuzz pedal i've used it for everything i've used it on the bass i've used it on the rhythm guitars lightly i've used it on the lead guitars for the big thick cut through um i i it, basically everything on here is just going into the neural dsp corey wong default amplifier so there's no other messing around going on on this track no other effects at all save a little bit of reverb on the lead line that's it everything else is just the chief disruptor going into a clean plug-in let's have a listen
That is the KMA Chief Disruptor, a Swiss army knife fuzz that's so much more than just a fuzz. So capable of everything from just a touch of drive right up to doom. I absolutely love it. Check it out, kma-machines.com or, you know, at your local guitar shop. Well worth taking a punt on, I think. Now, back to the podcast. I have a box of, of 80s Star Wars toys. I'm sure they're not worth anything because they're not in the packs, but, you know. Yeah. I have the the big, the four-legged thing. Uh, the the do-back. The, no, no, the, the ad Yeah, the, oh, no, it's oh. it's uh, the AT-80. The yeah, yeah, I say Which add you add. say add. Add. No, that's it. Yeah. That was it, we were speaking about before before the podcast about Rick and Morty. But Rick Rick and Morty in the most recent series made a, a comment on the fact that uh, was it Rick and Morty? Maybe I'm imagining this. Uh, <laughs> may, maybe it wasn't Rick and Morty that said it, but I heard recently somewhere where it, where they were saying that uh, yeah, everyone says uh, all the boomers say at at, and all the yeah. millennials say eighty eighty. Well, uh, yeah, it, it, it is an ATAT because, you know, there are books and things that say and everything uh, else says ATAT. But, you know, when all I had was the films and the, you know, in shopping mall uh, live reenactment groups that would do Star Wars <laughs> stuff. Uh, it was, <laughs> And to be fair, that was probably not nah, it, it was around Jedi. It wouldn't have been. I wouldn't remember it if it was <laughs> any of the other films. But yeah. Yeah, that was the thing. Southern Indiana malls, the people used to do, man, like little troops. So, yeah, it's a very weird time, the 80s. You know, like uh, Tiffany, all other mall kids. So, well, that's, yeah, it it sounds intense, you know. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I I wanted to ask you about the the attenuator you were using on the Phantom Mile. Because I've never... Is that how you were using it? It was a two-notes captor. Yeah. Yeah, it was just the yeah, sort of the sort of standard two-notes captor. Um, and I have the... So this amp is a 16-ohm, has a 16-ohm load on it. So that's that's the box I was using. And it's... Yeah, it's really it was really just that to sort of... Um, one, it's so that I can play it at like a reasonable volume um, because... I, you know, I, when we took it off, as you know, I think you were saying, it's like as soon as as soon as it starts to make noise, it's it's almost already too loud, which yeah. is shocking for thirty watts on bass. Yeah, you know, and it was just like whoa. Um, so I got the attenuator and had the side benefit of it actually. Um, I mean, it's still it's the same reactive load technology that they they use for some of the other boxes. It just doesn't have the doesn't really have the cab sim. It does technically have the cab sim, but it doesn't have all the different um, like models you can load in. It basically just has their version of like an SVT right, sort I of see. stock right. standard one. Yeah, so it's just that. Yeah, just the torpedo, like the straight ahead torpedo one. Wow. To be honest, I kind of like the simplicity of having having that. I get I get sort of option paralysis a little bit with uh, you know with with two notes and not not just with two notes with with everything at the moment with that has you know a billion and one especially when it comes mm. to irs they're not yeah. something that i really give a shit about but i know yeah. i need them <laughs> i yeah i, I find I, a bit the same and i think I, they're they're such a massively practical solution as well like they're yeah. ingenious yeah. for when you're not you know in a room or when you when you don't have access to to your actual cab 
See, I I think it like I'm sort of I'm still sort of split on IRs being, you know, like like to me it's not necessarily. It's not necessarily like a, a must-have feature by any means. No, you use and, a lot of just DIs, right? You, you yeah, just have you, good I, quality DIs. Yeah, I mean, this, it, nothing beats a, a good quality transformer in a DI. Like so, like some of the radial stuff, um, the Rupert Neve stuff. It, it's a lot of the other things I have just have different, like Lundahl or Cinemag transformers in them, and I'm, and it's just you get so much out of it. I do a lot of times. You know, we'll we'll run like plugins and stuff on the back end just to sort of give a bit of depth, but it's very rare. Um, and the only one I really, really like, honestly, at the moment is the uh, is SoftTube's um, model of the Eden WT800, which is very, very accurate <laughs> to. Yeah, and you know, I know what, what, world tour stuff pretty well. What defines and- the world tour sound? You, you know, because uh, I, I haven't spent that much time with them. I've never owned one. I've only ever heard them mm. sort of at gigs and stuff. So, you know, other than them being a, a very clean head, I don't know what, you know, what the characteristics are. See, I I also don't really think they're very clean. Um, I mean, they're clean, but they they have a sound to them right. as well. And I think, yeah, for, yeah, for a lot of, for a lot of like the history, like that was kind of what it was sort of seen as like, oh, it's, it's a neutral sound. It's, it, in no way is it neutral. Like the, there's a very, very deep richness in the low ends and low mids. There's, you can, I mean, f- you can get very sizzly in the highs. I don't use it that way. I sort of, if anything, sort of dial back the high ends a lot. So it's, it was a thing where you would see it a lot with gospel and, you know, places and reggae a lot of times you'd also see it too. So there's like really deep, rich bass that doesn't distort in the bass so there's a lot mm-hmm. lots and lots of headroom like in the eqs there so it's like for me where it really comes into place is with the cabs it's, it's a really present throatiness in the mid-range that is that cuts through but isn't like harsh at any stage and i think the high end is like a really this will make no sense but will make all the sense like a really kind of buttery high end in that right. it's not it's not a harsh like zingy treble unless you really make it a harsh zingy treble and i just i think it's just a really it sounds refined i think is probably the word i would use probably more than sort of clean or you know like hi-fi but it it's it's like a it's a refined sound that just that just sounds pleasant to me yeah refined and focused are like the two words that always yeah. come to mind for me and specifically the wt800 was the first eden head i tried where i kind of within a less than 10 seconds of playing a few notes thought oh i get it about the eden sound it's yeah, yeah as as jd says joe it's it's in it's in no way flat but it's it's um it's definitely i guess revered for a reason as being a particularly nice sounding clean I do like the sound of this, the, the fact that it's mid-focus, which I think is yeah. almost like a yeah. a lot of, when you think about modern clean, for bass, it's, it's scooped, you know, that, yeah. that yes. I think. Is yeah. the, and I find a lot of a, a lot of amps, I don't know if it's the nature of Class D or if it's just how people are EQing a lot of Class D amps, but flat, a lot of Class D amps sound naturally a little 
scooped, a little muddy on the mm. lows, a little brittle on the highs, but without any real presence in the in the yeah. in the mid range. It's always I kind agree, of been what's yeah. what's pushed me towards solid state stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. So you get the cloudiness from valves, which is great in certain applications, but you know, not if you've got a lot of other instruments playing alongside you. Whereas solid state often seems to give you a bit more of an even thing, but. Oh, that yeah. this sounds like it sounds like I need to check out a, 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 the the yeah. world tour stuff a bit more I thoroughly. Mean, the time has come on this week's podcast to hear some gear, so let's check out some of the complete guitar amplification and effect solutions available from Neural DSP and their plugins. We've teamed up with Neural DSP a bunch over the last year or two. Matt and I are big fans of what they do, and we'd like you to become part of that. So use discount code GuitarNerds at neuraldsp.com for 30% off any of their plugins. Worth noting that you get 14 days free with any of their plugins with no credit card required. So if you just want to see what all the fuss is about, you've got a whole two weeks on them with any of their amps and effects. Now this week, I'm checking out the Parallax Bass Amplification plugin suite. This suite's a bit different from the others. Rather than dealing with various amp heads, cabs and effects pedal simulations, the Parallax takes a a more scientific approach by allowing you to process your bass tone uh, signal into parallel subsections of the plugin that deal with each frequency band individually, allowing you to really tailor your bass tone and carve a distortion that's unique to you, your instrument, and where the bass needs to sit in the mix with the other instruments, all without muddying or sacrificing some element of your tone or clarity. Parallel bass processing has been used for decades, dual rigs or multiple plugins would be configured to distort treble for clarity and aggression and compress lows for a massive foundation. Encompassing over a decade of experience, engineering and some of the most devastating bass distortions on the planet, Parallax provides everything you need to design the ultimate bass tone. Here are three examples from the absolutely massive range of neural DSP presets and artist presets available straight out of the box. First, an absolutely smashing high-gain, high-mids drive tone from the Neural DSP presets, aptly named the Vibranium Sledgehammer. Now something a bit cleaner and with some solid foundations for backing up a band, an artist preset from Henrik Ud, inspired by the tones of Architects. And finally, a big, brash, full fuzz tone from everyone's favourite YouTube metler, Nolly Get Good.
So there it is. That's Parallax Plugin Suite from Neural DSP. Check it out on neuraldsp.com and use discount code GUITARNERDS at the checkout for 30% off any of their AMP and FX plugins. Yeah, I would I would definitely say check it out. And really, you know, like the the you know, as far as plugins go, the soft tube is one like they always, like all their stuff's really great. I love it. It's you know, it's not cheap stuff. Um, by any means, but it's it's the only real like amp plugin I use. Um, and what I'll say is uh, is about that model is one I know which <laughs> I've actually touched the Eden the world tour that they used to model it. And <laughs> I was able to, to dial in my, the exact sound that I'm used to. And have been, you know, sort of playing with from like the mid nineties on, on that, um, on that plugin with very little difference. Right. You know, in that, you That's know, my, awesome. I may have moved like the mid range a bit and was like, Oh yeah, no, this basically just sounds like my bass going through, through an you know like a, a world tour and it's yeah it's it's really good like I I think it's on yeah probably on every Beltalauda um, song on the last record is is basically my bass direct through the Focusrite ISA one my Sonic Nuance tuner uh, DI and just just the Eden world tour and then a couple tracks have the Honey Badger on but that's <laughs> that's really about it. Like that's I, awesome. That's once again great testament to Soft Tube. Not that I'm surprised, yeah. as you say, their their track well, record in in recreating really is quite pure. Yeah, they do a really good Silver Jubilee model as well. Like, I oh have, right, okay. I have that as well, and it's it's also very Silver Jubilee, um, which is how I sort of kind of got to know them. Was they were at Nam next to us when I was doing stuff for like Eden Marshall. So I was just like chatting to like two guys sat by a laptop with a bunch of Marshall stuff. Everyone's like, what are you guys doing here? Um, yeah. So I chatted to them a bunch. It was cool. I'm uh, I'm just checking out there. Obviously it's not, you know, I, I know it's a, a famous app, but it's not, it's, it's not a, a legendary app. It's not SVT standard. So of course there aren't a, a massive wealth of plugins that have replicated the, the WT 800. I'm looking at the soft tube one, 59 euros. You can get the soft tube one. I, that's not yeah. too bad. That's it's really not, not bad. bad. It's not, it's well worth it. And I think, you know, they run sales every once in a while and stuff. And I mean, and the thing is like almost every, Almost every pack that has like here's our twenty base amps have some version of of Eaton cabs or head there, and all of them are kind of like yeah okay I get it you know which is sometimes mm. how I feel about a lot of you know certainly the ones that aren't like actually meticulously modeled but are good vibes um, which is where the jumping off part of like IR loads <laughs> kind of came came from this but it but then it became but it's the thing was like. For me, this yeah, it's it's hands down the best the best Eden one I've tried. I see. Um, UA do one as well. Um, yeah, you know, well, it's, I think it's one. soft tube as well. Uh, oh, I is think, that the same I one? Think, I think it's the same one. It's, it's just it just runs price. on. Yeah, I think I think soft soft tube did it, and it's just running off their their platform instead right. of instead of like a Windows or Mac. I see. Uh, only load, so it's it's basically just meant to work with the their their accelerators. I see. I see. It, um, 
it sounds great. There are there are also some uh, some bass amp demos on YouTube of people using the SoftTube one. So, dear listener, if you want to check it out, um, the Eden WT eight hundred on SoftTubes uh, looks like people have documented how it sounds a fair chunk on YouTube. I'm gonna go and watch these afterwards and uh, and check them out because that sounds really cool and interesting. And I kind of want a different flavor. You know, when I'm using a plugin, I'm I always default to that same the same SVT plugin that i got the the one that was free on um on like oh was it the plugin alliance yeah 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 i i mean this is my i i just wish i liked svt it'd feel like it would make all of my life easier you know like there's i think that's the thing where there's some there's always stuff in ampeg like in the upper mids that you just can't get rid of that i just it just doesn't work with me you right. know, so it you know, like it's a classic. I'm not a classic, so the problem is me. But you know, it's it's just a thing where I just I can never get on board with it. I like them live fine usually, but yeah, like the it's rarely the sound I'm going for, and I don't I mean, not poo poo. It is you know, it's they're great, but it's I always find it's it, yeah, it's interesting that when I gravitate to, to like different plugins, I, I sort of look to like Trace Elliott models or, you know, like even some, you know, Galen Krugers or something like that. Just to, yeah, like I said, like I want something that's character that, that or sounds like something I don't have. Right. You know, so. I find certainly with the, with that SVT plugin, it's hugely dependent on what you're plugging into it. Yeah. Um, like I, I think if you get if you get lucky maybe if it's like a if you've got a jazz bass with some you know so a, a worn in strings then great you'll probably get the right level of articulation mm. it will work really well with the svt kind of in a flat you know setting you won't need to mess with it too much but if you have a jazz bass with maybe with like quite new strings there's nothing you can do on an svt to really tame that the sort of really toppy high end, it, you know, if that's not what you want, it's it's very difficult to get rid of it. And I also find sometimes if I plug in something maybe with flats, maybe that's like a the pickup might be high output, for example, or something like that. I find it difficult to lose the boominess um, yeah. uh, with the with the SVT plugin. So it sounds great with the right thing. Like I certainly found, like my 1969 P bass just straight into the SVT plugin was a, a real win, and it sounds great on its own. But I've struggled with the SVT certainly when I was doing like the home recording guide podcast with Matt, and we were you know recording stuff, and I'd sort of record the bass in without using anything, and then I'd start adding the plugins. And after there's synth on there and maybe Matt's guitar, I'd A B a few different things, and the SVT amp always seemed to cloud things up a little bit in areas that i needed to be cleaner or you know so so i, I, yeah, I might try it i think that's a, uh, i would just share a similar experience in that like there's lots of times where i'm like oh this is a pretty decent sound and then i almost inevitably always take it off like take the plug-in off at some at some point but actually it's just fine as it is without it yeah you know like it's a really I think that's a pretty good home recording tip anyway, is like put on plugins and then some of the best tweaks you can do is taking a bunch of them off. You know, like that's that's one of the things that just really improves a lot of mixes. It's like, oh, just get rid of some of this stuff. So 
yeah it's cool. easy to just just uh throw a lot of things at something you know without maybe realizing that the the absolute root of it is is probably fine Guitar Nerds are teaming up with Music Nomad and I, I really think, nerds, you need to check out musicnomadcare.com. We've spoken about all their wonderful guitar maintenance products on the podcast and, and I really can't emphasise how important it is to look after your gear and how easy Music Nomad make that for you with things like their, their how-to advice centre and their setup hub. Music Nomad have been around for a little over 10 years and in that time they've become one of the most recognised brands for guitar tech gear. They're available worldwide in every guitar store you can think to name, and it's for a good reason. All their products are professional-grade quality. Every tool, and even the cases the tools come in, are designed for proper, rugged, on-the-road use. Make sure you check out what all the buzz is around Music Nomad, as they are redefining and raising the bar for equipment care. Learn more at musicnomadcare.com, or follow them on social media with at musicnomadcare. Um... The uh, another thing I wanted to talk about about this weekend um, was Naomi. It was the first time you got to check out Stonefield bases because I brought up my Stonefield. Um, yes, JD had his Stonefield, his custom Stonefield, and also one of the the other series. I always get confused with the names, JD. Well, yeah. What do we have? Do we have M's? Or we, C's? we have the M's. Uh, I definitely have an M. I think you have an M too, but. I vaguely, I remember thinking you had a C, but I think that's an M. What is series the difference between M and C? Uh, so I think it's just some uh, different kinds of woods and finish option. Like the so, like the oh. the finish I have is a like is a hand applied sort of burst on. There's a burst, a light, light, light burst on the neck, and a light burst sort of kind of on the woods a bit. You know, so like you get those like tonal, tonal differences. It's, you know, really subtle. And then, yeah, I think it, I think it's just a lot of the stuff that takes a lot of man hours to do uh, is the only difference really between those two models. And then in the, the sort of the affordable, uh, series that are, you know, the, I would say much more traditional sort of style bases um as in as far as their uh, bolt on the neck profile is not massive yeah yeah as well or the controls a lot more yeah the controls are easy so so like in the so there's the the, an f and g series you get with uh this so those are the the ones not completely handmade by tom stanley um those are the ones that are um produced in india and then sort of sent to tom um, for setup and stuff, but um, so the the F series has a more traditional headstock with what you would think of as like normal headstock tuners, um, as opposed to like the whole Tom Stanley tuning system, which um, which is essentially the, bolts on the headstock that you yeah. can do large changes on. Yeah, with like a drum key, and then you have fine tuners, like you would get on like a headless bass or you know violin or any of those sort of things, like a. I, I really like the tuning system, um, but it's, yeah, so it's, yeah, so you get like sort of, the F-Series is is the much more normal base. It's an alder body, um, walnut or maple and walnut neck tops, maple neck, ebony fingerboard, uh, ebony tuners, so wood tuners. Uh, you still get the wood, um, wood bridge, but it's got two... Um, 
two passive humbuckers that's volume, volume, tone control. So it's pretty, pretty, yeah, stock, pretty standard, up. straightforward. Can yeah. you, JD, explain the controls on the ones we have on the M series? Yes, I can. Um, and how much time do we have? Uh, so, so one of, one of the great things about the Stonefields is that they're completely passive. Um, what you do get is there's a five position sort of character knob that gives you that sort of flicks through, you know, as like sets of resistors and things to just give you. Basically, it's. I think we were talking about it. It feels like it's like a a mid shift or mid mid range sort of scoop. So it sort of changes where the the sort of middle point for all the other EQ adjustments would be. Um, so you sort of have that. So you have five different positions. Um, so you have like sort of like wide open, and then that clicks through to a bunch of different tones. I think you and Tom both play on like the third setting or so you're saying so it, it for me like that setting gives you like it sounds like it's it's lower lows and kind of higher highs with like a, a an interesting scoop in the mids like in a in a cool way well i i um, realized which way do you count the one from because it's five um, i i count it from if it, like as a right-handed uh a right-handed base like uh anti-clockwise all the way is like one and open for me so that's all that's all the way like that standard, and then it's one, two, three, four, five. That, like going yes, clockwise. that's how I count. Yeah, yeah fine. Yeah, um, and then so there's that. There's a there's an overall volume, uh, so you just have volume control, and then there's there's a you know just you're you're sort of like treble cut, like pretty classic, just passive EQ that you get, and then there's another knob which is a high pass filter, so you can take out all of the bass. Um, for it, which seems weird on a bass, but uh, I think it's really cool for doing looping lines or for a lot of the stuff I do where I want my bass to just sort of cut through. It, it means I don't have to have this big boomy thing. Um, I don't use it very often, but it's really cool for an effect. But with that, that's also a push-pull um, pot. So if you pull it, it also gives. It also is like a shift key for all the different um, clicks on the on that like sort of multi-select that five position like knob that you get. So you in essence sort of get with all passive electronics, like 10 presets volume tone and also like a, a high pass filter. So yeah, it's a lot. Yeah. It's a, it's yeah. a lot with, with a single pickup. Like that's the, you know, so like that, all of that's for a single humbucker in the middle of the, like in the P position. So, yeah. Exactly. So, so yeah. So I was wondering, like, uh, because the thing is, Naomi, that that like me and me and JD found the the Stonefield stand at a bass show. I th I think in in London. In yeah, I don't yeah. know at the Olympia. When, yeah. when was it? Like twenty four seven seventeen that, that sixteen seventeen something. Yeah. yeah. So I think we we saw them then, and then you know became friends with Tom and. We've both had Stonefields and been around Stonefields for a long time, so we're very familiar with them. We've almost lost the the grip on just how weird and unusual these bases are. So I wondered yeah. kind of what your takeaways were from from getting to check out Stonefields for the first time. Yeah, and yeah, so I I came into it kind of totally, completely fresh. hadn't um, had never laid hands on one, so it yeah, it was it was really cool to to get to play both of yours. Uh, I mean, the first thing that struck me was just how gorgeous the construction was the um 
how many pieces are in the neck? Do either of you know offhand? Uh, there are is it, is it loads. It's it's like it's more than ten. Right. I think yeah. there's. I I can't remember um, on mine, and it would take too long to count. Of, yeah. No. So, of course, yeah. I'm not going to ask you to 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 do that on air. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, first off, just the the woodcraft alone is um, is incredible. Um, and I mean, you can you can obviously see it across across his website, but also. Um, so evident uh, straight away seeing seeing kind of two in the flesh um, what really interested me was the necks on both of your bases they were very different to what I what I expected quite um quite chunky for me uh, in mm. in both cases um, certainly I was curious is that is that kind of characteristic of his bases mm, I would yeah I mean I would have guessed um, at that age. Uh, sorry, not at that age. At the, I would have guessed at that price point that um, that he would offer sort of whatever kind of whatever shape you're after, or it, or is this very much something he leans into a, a sort of a signature neck style? That that is, yeah, he does two neck profiles, doesn't he? he does it well? He does a uh, he does two neck widths. He does a slim mm. um, with, with like tight sort of Hofner esque string spacing. Um, which I really want to get. I really want to get one of those. And he does his standard mm. one, which both my and JD's is the standard ah, um, string okay. spacing. But the the actual profile, that chunky profile, that is how Stonefields come. That is very much the. I feel like that's yeah. the lifeblood of them, though. Is yeah, they're okay. like okay. they're like, hey, you know how you think you're supposed it, instruments are supposed to be. Look how massive we can make this neck, and it's still super playable. Yeah, it's and, and what I would say too, just with that is like, I find it so much more playable. Like I'll go, I'll go play other bases now, and I just, I, I can't, you know, like in the same way where just like I can play the Stonefield for hours and hours, and I, I'd never, it never, I'd ever think about it, and then like now even playing like chunky, like C profile necks mm. and stuff, it just, it, it just, it feel everything feels like a toy. So, in yeah. comparison, it did, yeah, it, it did surprise me. I'll be honest, um, how how mm. kind of playable I found them in the in the sort of brief brief try that I had of um, of both models. But um, yeah, other than that, just the just the fact that they're passive and have that that extensive a set of controls all for one pickup still is sort of blowing my mind. To be honest, um, I I think. All round, it's just pretty, pretty ingenious design. I do think as well the body shape um, of. Sorry, was it the M series that we said you both have? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The body shape, and I mean it's it's evident across kind of his um, his different models. Certainly in the F series as well. I feel like it's quite a quite a diverse body shape. I don't know. I feel like I could I could see the style sort of like slotting into slotting into kind of other other. Like or sorry, slotting across multiple styles quite easily. Do you know what I mean by that? Yeah, it's not. It's yeah. not quite. It's it's not. It, it could be modern, but it's not too modern. It could exactly. be. It's yeah. got a classic feel to it. It's got a bit of a furniture sort of look to it. The yeah. the the horns especially sort of mm -hmm. really kind of bridge a gap. Like totally, yeah. yeah. Like I could see metal players using this and it not looking out mm -hmm. of place at all. I could see it totally fitting at home at in in sort of jazz gigs or or in sort of gospel or hip hop sort of styles. So yeah, um I was I was super intrigued and there was an awful lot about them that um that was entirely new on me that wouldn't usually be my cup of tea, but I certainly came away thinking um this is a really beautifully thought out build 
I think the passive element is is a huge win, um, or I can see how it would be a huge win for an awful lot of players who are sort of hardline anti-active, <laughs> anti-activists. Yeah. I mean, I I think it it's you know it's one of those things like I. I don't have a strong stance on active passives. Mm-hmm. That being said, almost I always prefer passives. Right. But, you know, I, I don't have anything against active because all it is is changing the first part of your gain stage. Sure. Really. You know, it's like, is it inside your base or is it on your amp or is it in a pedal on the floor? And, and I, I dig that. And I, but I think that like with the, I think the thing that I always find with like with passive, but certainly with the Stonefields, is that like everything just always feels very real and open and present, and nothing feels sort of affected. Which I played loads of active preamps, and there's so many active preamps where they put all of the, like all of the characters that is the preamp. Yeah, you know, and it almost doesn't matter what what the base is. Um, and certainly for guitar, it's, I feel like it, that makes less of a difference with, you know, when you have like, you know, active pickups in a guitar. And it's just, it's just one of those things where just, I don't know, I think it's more of a, you know, holistic medicine hokey thing too, where I just sort of feel like, ooh, I just, uh, you know, it's, it makes me feel more connected to the bass, you know, that it, there's not like the electronics aren't, isn't what's coming out. It's what I'm doing. Although it's still just, I'm moving strings on a magnet that are making, you know, waves go woo, 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 you know, <laughs> like that's it. The technical term, woo, yeah. woo, 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 yeah. Yeah. You know, the, the Stonefields, Naomi, you can, he does actually also do a ramp and a funk plate. Yeah. Uh, Ooh, for, what's for the, the funk plate then? A funk plate is a ramp, but uh, <laughs> in a different position. <laughs> yeah. So okay. it, it's up. It was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's basically like basically between the the neck and the the pickup. So in that space, okay. as opposed to getting oh, sure. like between sure. the okay. two, so it's, it's um, for slap. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Which I mean, because I don't know if if you notice this so much, but the, the strings are so much further away from the body it did. because the yeah. the bri- yeah and and I I don't have a problem at all with that and like and to be fair i have my playing has changed some um since i've been playing stonefields mm-hmm. for e- a few years now but it's um yeah but a lot of you know it was really because some players were asking for it and just really really want that you know the the feeling of a ramp underneath it so yeah, so yeah. you can get a funk plate and you know I, I had one on one of mine for a bit it was just a, a bit of you know just put it on with Velcro, you know, oh, nice. just like slide it in and just like, Hey, yeah, you take it off and it's fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause it turned out, I was like, yeah, I just, this just isn't me. Um, yeah. uh, Re- remind me, Joe, are you, are you an anti-ramp guy? I feel like we have I, crossed this bridge before uh, and that I, you had some strong feelings because you like to rest on the pickup itself. What time of day is it? <laughs> Whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I, think that they are very useful i definitely rely on playing over a pickup um yes for for speed Mm -hmm. that's that's really important it was for for years i i played p basses and and really like cut my teeth playing p basses and i realized for a long time when i sort of moved on to other things that my because i played over the pickup my my picking style with my fingers as i moved down the strings my hand also moved right further towards the bridge because 
I'd naturally would move my hand to where the split pickup is is lower down the body on the higher strings. I'd need to be over that. And so I have a sort of diagonal picking thing, which is still there now. Like there's still kind of how I how I pick. Um so I definitely very dependent on the on you know having something underneath there. So in that sense, yes a ramp make makes absolute sense. But in with that same breath, you know, <laughs> so do playing Ibanez SRs makes mm. perfect yeah. sense mm-hmm. for yeah. for ergonomics. They still look crap. <laughs> but you know, they they don't they do, I don't like them, um, but you know the so so that so yes I understand the worth of a ramp I don't think I'd ever fit one on anything. Yeah, I I really I really want to be the kind of guy that would like them, in a sense. Like I really just be like, yeah, I get it. It's it just feels. I mean, and I don't want to say it's form over function, but like it just, I don't know. It just feels YouTube-y for me, you know, like it just feels like I'm going to be playing. I would, I would use it to play bass lines. I would never actually play. Right. So, yeah. Yes. Yes. Well, I, 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 I see. Hashtag modern bass techniques, as people say. <laughs> yeah. But like. Yes. Yeah. E- e- exactly. There. Yeah. There. They're definitely a, a, a good thing for playing. They're just a, a little bit accidentally posy. It's like the it's it's like the the hair bands on the on the nut. Like, does this yeah. do anything? You know, it's I, I, yeah. I I was hesitating. I was dancing around asking you, is it the aesthetic that puts you off? Probably. It doesn't help. It doesn't help. I'll say that. Yeah. It's it's an aspect. It's an aspect. I I just I just mean I certainly feel like I've seen play- I mean I I think Thundercat might have been the first bassist who I ever saw using one. Hmm. And at um, the time I was like, what is this in what is this gigantic pickup? What is this? <laughs> What's um, the fellow's name from Rage Against the Machine? He he has one on his um, stingray. Tom Cr- does he? Yeah. On his huh. signature one. Tom Comfort, yeah. Comifer- yeah. And I think he used to have one on his jazz bass when he played jazz basses. Oh right. Huh. Okay. Well, that's it. Yeah, like I, I can see it being kind of the, um, the technique aid that you could not imagine gigging without for some players. So definitely, that's, definitely. Yeah, that's that's, that's yeah. a good reason for me not getting into them because I feel if I introduced one, I'd then yeah, I'd then, be a crutch. Yeah, and th- yeah, and then I, I'd I'd have ruined everything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Particularly, also, I, you know, I think if you've you know if you're a very powerful finger style player. Um, you know, what I can imagine and certainly a bad habit that I have to work with quite a lot in terms of evening out my technique is if, because like you, Joe, I, I like to rest on the on the side of the pickup and use that as, as sort of my thumb rest while while moving up and down the strings. Um, but then, of course, if I'm if I'm not sufficiently consistent, my worry is always um, hitting off the actual pickup and then just ruining my audio, like ruining however it actually mm-hmm. sounds, particularly if I'm recording or, um, you know, DIing out to a, out to a PA. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Oh, there you go. Ramps, ramps. What, what an incredibly interesting 
topic of conversation <laughs> to wind up the podcast. <laughs> you guys, you're uh. ramping my style. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you know what? I, I really wanted to talk about the Origin Effects bass rigs on this week's podcast because we got both of them. But uh, but we're, we're going to go talk about them on the Patreon, I think, because that is all the time we've uh, we've got on this week's podcast. So, dear listener, come and join us over on the Patreon at patreon.com forward slash guitar nerds. We've got an entire extra episode this week and every week and you can become a patreon supporter for as little as a dollar a month a dollar gets you this episode ad free and early five dollars gets you access to our patreon special episodes and our back catalog and ten dollars gets you the lot plus i'll sing you my thanks at the end of every episode you can find us on all your favorite social media platforms and join the guitar nerds group on facebook to get involved in our weekly episode discussion thanks for listening you've been lovely we've been the guitar nerds farewell you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. 
The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.